You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we watch color films, motion picture films, in fact, made in the United States of America between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. What's the deal, you guys? We take these windows, we wash them, we wipe them, then we throw them open, then we climb through them, and beyond is a world, a magical world, called the mid-century And we explore this world and the people within it. And while we do this, we ask ourselves some critical questions, such as all these people we're seeing in the world beyond the window, who are they? Who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making and why? And also, and arguably the most important part, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then at the end of the show, we climb back through the window to modern times, and we ask ourselves the final, vital, ultimate question on behalf of all of humanity here in the early 21st century, which is, hey, you guys, this movie that we just watched that sent us through the window, the world beyond, the people there, places, sights, sounds, so on and so forth. Do we keep watching this thing? Yeah, the one we just watched. Are we going to keep watching this? Or do we just kind of let it go, let it kind of drift away like a sad party balloon up into the lower atmosphere to pop in the next county. We will find out. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my panel of incredible international experts at being human in the early 21st century, starting on my mm, right. We're back at her place, of course, with her little buddy. This is Catherine Sherlock's house. Welcome to the program, Catherine. Uh, thank you, and welcome to the house, uh, uh, the cat corner. The Catherine's cat corner, of course, and you are joined on your right by your uh, little minion, Solon the cat, of course, currently giving himself a little bath. He is still at the table, though, so I feel like he might have something to say about this film. We are going to find out. And to his little right paw, yes, Catherine, does he have something to say? Well, I, I don't know. He did sleep through it. <laughs> Well, I think that speaks for itself, doesn't it? I think he's he's already as registered his review. Other, as did some others. Oh, us. is that right? Shushma Nike, <laughs> who I will introduce right now. She's at Solon's right paw. Uh, it's a great feel. It was not... I mean, we're going to get into it, but was it a little drowsy? A little sleepy? It was okay. Okay, okay. And then to your right, and also across the ocean, of course, the Atlantic one to be specific, my sister and yours, you know her and you love her, Carolyn Nowrose, is back on the program. Welcome, sis. Hi there. Hi. Did you find this movie to be sleep-inducing as well? It was really hard recovering from um, A Kiss Before Dying. Obviously, I did not recover to record. Yeah, right, right. You could not make it for that particular session. Did you have any thoughts that have, have lingered no, over the past I just, week? to follow that up, even though I did watch the film. Actually, we, we have a follow-up for you, which is, <laughs> what did you think of uh, Dory's hair? <laughs> oh, she definitely borrowed the little orphan the nanny. nanny wig. Yeah. <laughs> the nanny wig on that one. <laughs> Crunchy ramen. Um, it's a goddamn shame. It's a real travesty. Yeah. 
But gang, we are here today at Catherine's Cat Corner recording this program. It is now April. Congratulations. We have made it. Happy April, one and all. And that means we've got a new theme for our program. And this month, Carolyn, you weren't here last week. So, and I know you don't listen to the program. So, this will be news for you. But we are talking about a theme that's called That's Showbiz. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's an essential part of this era uh, is, is movies about various aspects of show business, whether it be movies about radio, movies about television, movies about music, and movies about movies. We know Hollywood. I mean, take a look at a Best Picture winning uh, winner list. And half of them are just movies about making movies or people who make movies. They love it. They're in love with it. So we are joining that world this month. That showbiz starting with 1949s. It's a great feeling. Real quick. Is it a great feeling? Catherine Sherlock? Am I giving my one line? No, I'm just asking. Is it a great feeling? I think I'd like to save that for my one line. Okay. <laughs> Well, why delay? Listen, but you're the hammer, so you go last. I'm going to start with, it's a great feeling when this movie is over. <laughs> Boom! Done. Carol Narrows, do you have a one-line review for It's a Great Feeling? Mm-hmm. Mm, please share. It's a great feeling, an obnoxious film that has a who's who <laughs> in an era of Hollywood no one gives a shit about. <laughs> hey, now. I care about some of some of this stuff, uh, some of it, not all of it. In fact, most of it, pretty lackluster. But well done. Uh, Shrishma, yes. do you have a one-line review for It's a Great Feeling or the parts that you saw of it before drifting <laughs> off to dreamland? I do. Okay. <laughs> um, I watched this movie last night, um, and between last night and today, I have no idea what this movie was about. <laughs> she picked me up today. This, these were the first words out of her mouth. I was like, I don't know if I remember this movie. So I, I watched it this morning, and I don't think I remember. You guys, <laughs> I mean, okay, I had to break a chocolate oh, cake in between, and, but and it's a big, and it was a big ham. Okay, it's a big I, ham. All right, yeah, yeah. All right, great. I, okay. know what this movie is about, and I had to fast forward through parts of it because I couldn't stand it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there are definitely <laughs> moments where you can drop, you can that cut whole two, dream three minutes. Sequence. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I had 10 minutes left to watch this morning before doing a second watch through to get my pictures. And it stopped. I had stopped it there. I was like, this is, I can't, I've got like nine minutes left of this movie and I'll just do it tomorrow because this shit. And uh, I mean, the great thing about it though, is that it's like, I, you know, right away, we're not going to talk about this for very long. We're going to mention this. We're going to make fun of the outfits, but we can skip ahead in this, you know, this movie, which is only, what, an hour 25, something yeah. like that? Yeah. It felt like three hours. I appreciate the brevity, but still, yeah, I think you're right. I think it felt, <laughs> it was laborious. It almost felt like watching a Bollywood movie. <laughs> okay, um, so. But wait, do we, Catherine, we need to get your one-line yeah, review get first. get the one-line review. Yeah. Okay, okay. So okay. Get okay. okay. It really is a great feeling, exactly as Justin put it. When it ends. <laughs> and I will be billing you for the hours of my life that I've fair. lost on this. <laughs> That's fair. Please send your voice, your invoices to corporate headquarters. We will try to reimburse you <laughs> those one hour and 25 minutes. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the, arguably the shortest episode we ever do. I mean, so this movie is hour and 25 minutes. 
by my calculations, we could cut mm, 40 minutes out of this thing easy and it just wouldn't change anything that happens. So mm-hmm. let's let's see how this goes. So we, we open with narration over the studio talking about, you know, welcome to the Warner Brothers backlot and all of this, all the stuff that we've been talking about so far. And you can get everything here from an airplane to a hairpin, they say. You know, this is where everybody, all actors uh, playing in all eras – this is where they file through, and and this is where we we build the dreams, you guys. Don't you want to run out there? Let's go. It looks hot. I ran from hot. there, so <laughs> you got these fakey trees, though. You can just find some shade there. Um, so then then we are told that it's a very special day for the directors, and mm. cue the parade of guest cameo directors who would have been figures at the time. We start with Raoul Walsh, who is a a dapper man with an eye patch. Now, I was—I had a plan to write down what these people are known for. So, I, are these actual real people? Like, yeah, these are the real people. What? Yeah. I, I guess that that also explains why they can't act. Um, yes, they're, they're not giving a ton of screen time. There, there was definitely a real wooden one. Like five minutes in, um, <laughs> the f- French one. Was he French? Was there something like? I don't. I can't a remember. French one. It's know. oh King Vidor maybe. Yeah. Uh, he was sitting behind a desk. I don't know. He was going through a door and talking to a woman, and oh. um, no means oh. no. Okay. And, <laughs> oh, funnily enough, <laughs> that's your line, really. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, this yeah. man, Raoul Walsh. Okay, this is this is big time here. You're opening with the man who directed the movie The Roaring Twenties, starring James Cagney. Right. Trish, you're not going to know any of these, right? But I'm going to tell you, like, okay. these are serious. I'll, I'll try and... Did he actually have an eye patch? Uh, he did, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, White Heat, another Cagney. Oh, right. The okay. Thief of Baghdad. The Yellow Ticket, never heard of that. Mm, Helen of Troy, Gun Fury. I mean, so he's he's around. But, I mean, those gangster pictures are... That's, that's real currency right there. This means something. Raul Walsh, welcome to the program. And then we get King Vidor here, sitting behind his desk. Uh, his name is actually His King. name is King Vidor, yes. Right. Now, he is certainly a person of note. He directed such popular films as The Crowd, Hallelujah, Street Scene, Show... I don't know. I've never heard of these. War and Peace. He directed War and Peace. All right. Okay. okay this counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fountainhead. The original, the oh, 1949 Fountainhead, Gary Cooper, yes. That, that was that was a good movie. Uh, he directed the Kansas scenes of The Wizard of Oz, The Fountainhead. You making fun of me over here? <laughs> You're like five minutes late, Toria. I'm sorry. Okay. I got I got taken with the trivia that he directed the Kansas scenes of The Wizard of Oz. Anyway, he's been around. Mm-hmm. He's out there. But he clearly didn't direct this movie. He did not? Yeah, this man. Michael Curtiz. Okay. Was he French or something? He had an accent, um, I thought. But yeah, basically, this was the most wooden thing I've ever seen. This man right here. O- other than an actual tabletop. Listen, yeah. this guy, he's the best of them all. Mm. Well, Director of mm. Casablanca, oh. The Adventures of Robin Hood, okay. Mildred Pierce, yeah. and several more. And basically, what we're seeing with these directors is they're all getting phone calls on their various sets or at their bungalow. About like, hey, uh, Arthur Trent is calling. Arthur Trent is a producer that we're going to be seeing a lot of in this movie. And he wants you to direct his new picture he's producing, Mademoiselle Fifi. And they're all like, yeah, no, we're not going to, I'm not going to do that. 
I, I refuse. You know, uh, I've said no three times. I'm not going to do that. So they all reject it. And it's because we find out that everybody's happy to work with this guy, Dennis Morgan, uh, average white man number one, but they're not excited about his his buddy, Jack Carson, who is also starring in the picture and is average white man number two. So we like Dennis. We don't like Jack Carson. I just try to keep that mm. straight if you can. Dennis Which is the singer. Sings? Dennis oh. is the singer. Yeah. And he, he does what? Again, say that again. He's a he's an actor. He's the actor. He's the actor. Yeah, not the director. No, right. That's Jack. Jack is the and director. Which is the doofus? Which is the Jack? Jack is D- an Dennis actor, is more charming. Director. Well, I'm no, the but si- okay, the si- between okay. the two. I can't, okay, I can't even be bothered to keep the name straight. So the That's singer. Not. The singer is so the actor. Is the actor, actor one and is the all right one. Is the all right one. Yes, all right yeah. is the operable word there. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. And Jack Carson is the- Actor-director. Actor-director, who is a little bit more traditionally like- He's a big piece of hand. Yeah, it's a big performance we're getting from him. Um, mm. And so we're here with, I think this is Dennis. Again, I'm confused. I've yeah, watched this movie Dennis. twice. This is Dennis. And he is at a little pharmacy drugstore having himself a drink next to Gary Cooper. This is Gary Cooper. Is it? He, it is, yes. Okay. Star of the screen. Uh, he Gary Cooper was a famous, um, known mostly for his westerns. He would have mm-hmm. been like the star of western, the entire genre, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is, okay, so, you know, the cowboy thing is summed up here by... The, the hat, the hat. the soda, the denim shirt, and the ear. I, I did want to look up the soda and the straw. Carolyn, do you have any info on that real quick? No. Okay. Just because I feel like my ultimate review of this movie is skip it. Whatever. I'm not, we'll ruin the end of the show. Whatever. Just because there are so many Looney Tunes that do this exact same thing from this era where it's just like Bugs Bunny uh, works at a restaurant and Humphrey Bogart shows up and then you get a caricature because of Humphrey Bogart. Because there's a lot of, they do use some cartoon. Yeah. yeah they, like they, the, there's the a reference the, to Bugs Bunny. Mel Blanc is in the, the movie. Yeah. Yes. Or, during, okay. That's the guy. Yes. But the, I yeah. think oh. that, so that's the thing. And Warner Los Brothers Angeles, makes Looney Tunes? Los Angeles is mm-hmm. a one industry town. Mm-hmm. There is one industry and it is showbiz. There is nothing else. Yeah. And everyone is like, the whole myth of Hollywood is like, yeah, you show up and you get famous because someone sees you. Right. And that this is the entire movie which right. is just trying to make that a reality. Now, interestingly, it has a kind of clear-eyed view of things where it's it, it's self-aware that that is what it is doing. Like it knows- yes. It's because she struggles to get anybody's attention. So it's it knows. It's aware. It's on purpose. It's bizarre to watch a grown man use a drinking straw. Just well, you general. know why they would have used a drinking straw? Um, No, the makeup. sugar. I, because of the makeup. Oh, that's right. Although drinking through a straw will give you more wrinkles, just FYI. Well, Gary Cooper already had plenty of those, so right. maybe this is part just, of It's the same thing as smoking. It's because you're pursing your lips together to drink through a straw or to ah, drag, take a drag on a cigarette, and it gives you all like the mouth wrinkles. Well, he's really enjoying this cola, wrinkles be damned. He's he's having <laughs> right. a hell of a time but with that's it. That's why he would have used a straw. You would use a straw so you don't ruin your makeup. That makes sense. Okay, okay. He does look like a little boy playing with his food, though, when he's using it. <laughs> 
and we meet then Jack Carson himself getting a little glow up at the uh, at the on lot barber center, I guess. And the, and he's doing this, uh, chatting away to young Ronnie Reagan, uh, Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. the president uh, of the United States in the 1980s. No comment. I mean, you know, read between the lines. It's mm. terrible. Uh, but anyway, here he is in his first career as an actor. And he definitely has the all-American thing going for him with his arms crossed over his polo shirt. He's very handsome, don't get me wrong, but his administration, I can't say just him, but his administration is definitely the reason that we have, you know, mass incarceration in the United States. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a lot and a lot of unhoused people living um, in the streets as well correct. who are mentally mentally mm-hmm. ill and mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so it's it's But man, uh, he's good looking. But he was boy, he was Mr. Handsome. I mean it's and this uh, was in the forties, so yeah. he was like Was he famous at this point? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he so was he was, he was a famous B movie star. He wasn't a major headliner, but and then I believe yeah. he was the chairperson or president or whatever the role is of the Screen Actors Guild for a long time. Ah, uh, okay. And then okay. he became governor of California. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he's in the public eye for you know forty well, years life. before he goes f- to be president. So again, it's not unlike I don't know some more recent presidents who. Had television shows and mm. people are like, I recognize that humans. I will then therefore vote for him. Vote for yeah. him, of course. Was he also a Republican? Yeah, Ronald Reagan, problematic man <laughs> in the future. Right now, a sensational B movie actor, and <laughs> here he is. And he sets up Jack Carson uh, because Dennis enters this glow up room. Uh, and uh, while Jack is getting hot toweled over his face or whatever, so we can't see that he's entered and Reagan's sets him up. So like, so you think this Dennis guy is a real a-hole, right? You think he's a big ham? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's, you know him. He's the worst. And then he sits up and they see each other. And it's, again, it's a funny moment. We're all laughing. We're all laughing out loud. Mm. LOL. <clears throat> Ro- rolling on the floor with laughter. I was um, rolling on the floor because I was just moving position to sleep to yeah. get more. Because <laughs> your arm was going to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> now, that's comedy. That's what this picture needed. Some of the, within your punch-ups. So these two start talking, Jack and Dennis, they have a friendship. We can see this. They've got a dynamic between them. And uh, they talk about this movie, Mademoiselle Fifi. Uh, and Dennis doesn't want to do the picture, but Jack is begging him because he needs the money now. Mm. If you hear that ringy ding ding bell, that's just uh, our buddy Soul on the Cat uh, scratching himself. There's a little bell on. Mm. There he is. Oh. a boy. <laughs> okay, so, at the, so now the plot becomes Jack has to convince Dennis to please do the picture because I'm up to my ears in debt and I've gotten this house partially built. There's all this stuff that I need. My car needs a thing and I need money for it. And I only get that fast cash making a motion picture. He chases Dennis down to uh, an a, a audio music recording facility, uh, again, on the, on the back lot here. So we watch Dennis sing this old timey song uh, live with an orchestra at, while Jack sort of, uh, Cuts him down off to the side. He's sort of, you know, talking about how out of key he is and everything. But this song that Dennis is singing is like an anti-bebop tune. If you actually listen to the lyrics, which I did the second time, he's he's ripping on bop music, which at this point would have been kind of a, a fad that would have probably come and gone at this point. 
but I'm talking about a form of jazz that these guys were coming up with where it's not like super melodic. It's chromatic. I won't get too into the weeds on it, but it's, it's a very particular type of up-tempo jazz playing that, uh, this white man does not care for Dennis. He's like, I, please give me a beautiful melody. And this is, he thinks that's better. Uh, he's wrong, mm-hmm. but this is a matter of opinion and taste and everything, but everybody should know he is wrong. Bebop is cool. So from there we go to, and I forget how this, it doesn't matter. I forget how this scene ends, but he's like, I don't want to do your movie. I'm not going to do it. So then we go to this place called the green room, which is the canteen, the commissary on the back lot. So we see all of these background uh, performers here dressed up in the various costumes and, you know, feathery hats. And we've got a genie type man over here and they're all getting ready for lunch uh, at the cafeteria, which is where we meet Judy Adams, played by a young Doris Day. Here she is. And if you need to know what her name is, she's wearing a name tag that says Judy on it. And then this is her housemate, Grace, who also works at the commissary. And Judy's very, um, she's new to town. She's only been in town for three months and 20 something days or whatever she knows to the day. But she's very enthusiastic about breaking into pictures And so she hears that her buddy Grace is going to take this lunch over to Jack Carson's office. And she begs Grace, please, can I take it? I I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody. And I I need to get out there. And Grace knows that Jack Carson is a loser, as does everybody, I guess. Again, we're all mystified as to who Jack Carson is. But she's like, I got news for you, honey. He's not a real director either, but, but go for it. And so... Judy takes this sandwich and orange juice over to Jack's office. And while she does, we get another celebrity cameo. Mr. Sidney Greenstreet pops up. Now, he is known as, uh, he plays characters traditionally known as like the big men. Mm. Uh, So he's in Casablanca. He plays sort of a local gangster. uh, And he's also in Maltese Falcon. He just plays a sort of uh, very gregarious sort of, cheerful jolly like crime santa in a way he shows up <laughs> he, he wears a fedora crime santa. <laughs> he sort of ho ho hoes his way through and everybody's sort of like well this guy's a clown but he has a lot of uh, clout as well like he's got a lot of power so we need to do what he says but here he is and he gets his one line about how well normally the the uh, interns are leaving his office uh, screaming or you know something like that doesn't matter it's not funny but Sydney Greenstreet, there he is. Check out one of his real movies. Okay, so what the fuck is her name? Judy. Judy. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, Jane? June? Jump, Who June. is it? Yeah. So <laughs> Judy goes up to Jack's dressing room and she poses with the food tray while he's making a, a very tragic phone call. And she's she does this thing throughout the movie. Her pose, right? Her mm-hmm. expression that she does when She's trying to get noticed by one of these average white men. Oh, my is, God. I hate it. <laughs> she does this mm-hmm. awful cornball smile, and she sort of like bats her eyes really quickly. And in the background, we get this sort of like Manic wonky, music. woozy music. Yeah. Jingle, jangle. And it's, it's so bizarre. I mean, I guess it's funny mm. uh, in, in a th- theoretical sense. It's funny. I mean, it's- Maybe it's, in 1949, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is It is very, again, Looney Tunes-ish, right? Yeah, like, exactly. We're getting some sound effects yeah, to a this very- this is probably why I'm reacting so poorly, because it's like a cartoon. And sometimes Looney Tunes are funny. Yeah. Sometimes. But she does this repeatedly, and I guess 
like I say, I guess it's a comedic beat. She's a young, attractive starlet, sort of taking the piss out of herself, making fun of people like this, I guess. I don't know, but she's doing it, and he's he's put off by it, as is everybody who sees it. So at a certain point, somebody for all the coaching they give her, they don't, they don't, never tell her to stop doing that. Like, don't make people want to leave the room when you look at them. Like, whatever this is, you need, please don't. Um, so she delivers his food, and he's bummed out about the the movie. And then she talks to him about somehow we get around to like where she comes from. I guess he asks her about, you know, like, where are you from here? Or like, what's the deal? She's like, I've been here for three months and 21 days and 16 hours and 45 seconds. And she comes from a place called Gerke's Corners in Wisconsin, which is the most Wisconsin-y name for any place. Gerke's Corners. And she is talks. Is it a real place? Uh, that's uh, a great question. Could you th- run a quick search? Because maybe it goes on our travel list, you guys. Maybe we need to swing oh, by Gerke's Corners. No, I think we want to swing fairly wide uh, 15 minutes uh outside of milwaukee though you don't, you don't want to go to milwaukee drink some watery no. beer okay okay fair yeah. enough Gork- fair enough gorky's corner is a former unincorporated community in the town of brookfield in waukesha county wisconsin mm. united states mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's a real it's a place. place. Real place. Unincorporated. Oh. Implies that it's got one stoplight in it, maybe. Uh, sounds small. Gerke's Corners, Gerke's Wisconsin. Corners. Hey, welcome to Wisconsin, Corners. eh? More than one corner. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Yay. Um, so that's where she's from. Turns out Jack's from Wisconsin as well. So he's he's delighted about that, but he's still... Kind of sad about his his money situation and his house. His contractors are leaving the the house construction and all this, but he's only got three out of four walls or some nonsense like that. And she does not understand why he is so upset. Like, what? but Mr. Carson, you are a famous director working in Hollywood, and I would just be the happiest girl in the whole wide world if I had a chance to audition for anybody like you. And he's like, hold on a second. I sense an audition coming on. And he starts to shoo her out of the the room. And she locks him in and then starts performing monologues for him. She starts giving him full-on casting couch performances. And he takes it, I guess. Uh, (laughs) He has no choice. Yes. And he – but he gets a a scheme Mm. hatched in his little noggin there. And he's like, you know what? I need Dennis to be in this picture. Here's how I do it. I'm going to use you looking for a big role. And so you come with me. And then if you do this for me, maybe, I, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll give you a role in the picture. Sure. Let's do this. So they put on a whole scheme where Jack climbs a tree. Oh, before I'm sorry. Before we leave Jack's oh. dressing room, there's an issue here. Continuity issue. I don't like normally call these out because who gives a shit? But in this case, it's quite blatant. And I noticed this framed monstrous headshot. I mean, Mm. this is like 18 by 24 of Joan Crawford back here, framed and mounted on his dressing room wall. Now, I bring this up because obviously I couldn't tear my eyes away from this mask. Like, why would he have this? It's so bizarre that it's a peer. You know, it's like me, Shrishma, if I had a framed portrait, Mm. like a big one, just alone over my couch, like, well, she's my friend. We're we're friends. Right. But if we look... A couple oh. cuts later, continuity-wise, there were other starlets who were up on this fake wall who were at some point removed. And I just wonder if it's – my theory is that like he sort of like falls back on this sofa 
The sofa pushes the set wall, and maybe it just broke whatever nail system they had hanging these on or something like that. There had to be a reason why they're gone. And I don't know if it's reshoots because this looks pretty similar. The hair is the same. I don't know. Actually, the lighting is totally different. This was shot Uh on a different day. Look at that. Because this lampshade casts a shadow here, Mm -hmm. but not here. Interesting. Interesting. So they got close. Yep. Got to go do some pickup shots, you guys. Anyway, let's get to the actual scheme here. Jack climbs the tree outside of Dennis's dressing room, and Judy shows up. I'm just spacing on her name. June, Jane, Judy. Judy shows up wearing morning garb, traditional black veil and all this shit. And she spins this tale for Dennis, who's like, I don't know who you are, but please come. You're obviously grieving something. And... She she talks about what's that, Carolyn? Nothing. I'm just this whole scene was. It's absurd. So she she weaves this tale about how Jack Carson met her at Gerke's Corners, or met her in Wisconsin, and and fell in love with her and swept her off her feet and married her, but then ran back to Hollywood. And he's sort of like giving her these prompts from the tree outside the window. So he does a little rockabye baby thing. She's like, and I'm pregnant with his baby and, and I need to find him and all of this. And he says that he, he doesn't have money because his picture just got canceled because the actor just says he doesn't want to do it. And so this is where Dennis gets guilted and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll do this picture. A stranger I just met. Obviously, I mean, why would I question anything you're saying? Of course, I'll sign this contract. And they have they have a runner all queued to take the contract from him, and that's kind of a that's close to a joke. So we've got that. So Dennis is now part and parcel of Mademoiselle Fifi. 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 Yeah. There we go. Closer. Yes. Um. And but at this point, Judy calls in her favor of like, okay, so we're gonna be in this movie together, right? I'm gonna be in your picture. And Jack's like, well, here's five dollars. Why don't you, why don't you go buy yourself something nice, and we'll see you around, kid. And so she is heartbroken that he has lied to her, and he's sort of like, but I'm Jack Carson. I'm a liar. Everybody knows this. Like she should. This is expected of me. This behavior. And anyway, she wants the part. She doesn't want the $5. And she threatens to move back to Gerke's Corners. And everybody's like, no, please stop. Down. Hey, yo, mid-roll Jay-Z here, breaking in, busting up the flow and ruining all the action with this week's call to action. That's right. This week, we're talking about our Patreon page. Sometimes we make reference to it in the show. You've probably heard about it. We call it the Boom Room. And for two lousy dollars a month, you can come join the Boom Room and you will get double the content. That's right. All these shows you're getting on the free feed are actually about twice as long as the ones that you're getting there. So, If you feel like we left out a scene or a joke or some romance or something like this, it's because we kept it for the long version. So please join us over on Patreon. Two bucks a month. It's like nothing. It's next to nothing. It's actually less than zero. Two is uh, in this context. Uh, Join us there. And if you do, you know I'm going to thank you so much, just like I will right now. Thank you. And now back to the show. Now, we take Judy to a place called Michel's, which, Carolyn, is that a real place? Michel's? 
no idea. Okay, okay. So they take her for the I'm, I'm too guessing. sexy glow up scene where she tries on outfits and uh, they're, because you know, they is this when they determine that they need to get her in front of the producer, Mr. Trent, so because he likes to discover his own talent. I, I'm not. I think this is where they put that plan together. Yes, okay. because they're they're just giving her some new outfits right now. While they do that, of, of course, we run into Joni herself. Joan Crawford shows up in a, in a cameo. Now, of course, we know her from the best of everything in which she tells uh, her gentleman caller that he and his rabbit-faced wife can go to hell. Mm. Uh, we love her for that. We love Joan Crawford for that very thing. Now you and your rabbit-faced wife can both go to hell. And she looks amazing here. And, and you know, we've seen her in that framed portrait that's in Jack Carson's dressing room already. But she does a little monologue here and she slaps both of them. And they're like, well, what was that for? And she says, well, I do that in all my pictures. And then she walks off. And they probably laughing. deserved it. Joan is my maid. Catherine, calm down, all right? This is, <laughs> listen, it's not that funny, okay? Catherine has turned her microphone off. She is laughing so hard. I'm amazed it's not coming through on this one over here, this microphone. So now, at this point, Arthur's like, this movie is such a disaster. Get out of town. They go to a bar together to kind of drink their sorrows away. And it's a bar where we've got a television built into the wall showing professional wrestling. And so we get a lot of cutaways to this. And the wrestlers here were actual wrestlers of the time, I guess. I'm not going to even dignify them with their names here. Sorry. It's just pro wrestling of the 1940s, I guess. But they, you know, they're looking at this pro wrestling and they're like, yeah, you know, actually both of these guys, one of them's, you know, from Sweden, the other one's from Denmark or whatever. They're both supposed to be these like Teutonic monsters grappling, but they're the joke is that they're both from the Midwest, right? Mm. Um, but they've changed their names and their personas to be these people. So they're like, hey, you know what, guys, I got an idea. What if we did that with Judy? They're always scheming these two, Jack and Dennis. What if we, yeah, what, what if we made it out like she's actually a real French superstar? Put her in a wig, and then Arthur's—he's got to love her at that point. If she's already famous, maybe he doesn't want the unknown. He wants the undiscovered foreign talent. Maybe this was ridiculous. It's a terrible idea. Again, I need like two or three more passes on the script, you guys. We need to try harder. But this leads to a series of events where Arthur gets a phone call from the Hollywood Reporter, who has just—they've just received a telegram about. Uh, Yvonne Emor is coming. She's journeying over from, from France to come star in Mademoiselle Fifi. And what's the deal, Arthur? And he's like, well, uh, let me just find out about that and I'll get back to you. And so he calls up publicity and publicity is just like, I've never heard of this lady, but they start their wheels going to motion. And that, yeah, they're like, okay, okay. So her mama, you know, was a duchess and she comes from here. And they like, they're just making up her backstory. Essentially, and- this is just showing us that everything that comes out of Hollywood mm-hmm. as a piece of news that. is actually bullshit. Mm-hmm. All of it. The whole, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we will handle that. It That's- is a legitimate dream factory. Yes. Nothing is real. <laughs> yes. And so they they end up putting together at the last minute this monstrous party on this huge soundstage of what appears to be like a not even medieval palace, but like, I don't know, like 18th century 
concrete Versailles sort of. I, I don't know where this would be. Um, Warner Brothers was producing at the same time because I bet it's one of those. It's sets. one of those. Yeah, we probably will see this. And so she appears as Yvonne Amour. She is brought down and is introduced to all of these Hollywood bigwigs and also a bunch of French ambassadors who are trying to speak to her in French. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. And then she meets these two, Eleanor Parker and Patricia Neal, who are uh, other star actors of the time. So they get their little cameo and they're telling her about how rough the business is and everything. And she goes up to the stage to sing this song, Cafe Rendezvous, wearing this incredible gold outfit. Like, I'm not much for the costumes myself. I, it doesn't matter to me. But in this case, like this dress, what's going on here, ladies? Explain to me what's happening with this dress. <laughs> She's gilded. You don't like this. No. I think this is incredible. It's like a it's full like gold lame bodysuit. What's happening? It's like something that Princess Diana would have worn mm. in the 80s. I, okay. So, is that a bad thing? It just it was just a lot. Like it was just <laughs> yeah, it's you know, like, like I mean, you know, the, this um the, the top half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, I yeah, That's kind of what I'm like focusing that, on. The design is the nice. rest of it mm. awful. Putting it together mm-hmm. horrific. Yes, she does. The hat with it all? <laughs> no. <laughs> she, like she couldn't decide if she was at a funeral or, you know, Moulin Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um I don't think the gold did anything for her complexion. Yeah, definitely not. Okay, I just I think it's a cool look. I think we should be wearing shiny I mean, maybe, shinier materials. Maybe it was a you know, like space agey, you know. Like I can see something like that today. Mm. Oh, okay. The top half, definitely. Yeah, top okay. half. Well, like Lady Gaga with like mm. like black briefs and fishnet tights could wear that top. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you'd be well, like, I, okay. I, I would like to see that. I mean, there's only one way to know, and that's to see that. So if we can get that <laughs> in the works, that would be great. Uh, Chat GPT. <laughs> yeah, <Yummy>. right. <laughs> Fake me an image of this. So she does this song, Cafe Rendezvous, and she does a really nice job with it. Again, I think Doris Day is a good singer. Um, but at the very end, she falls off the stage, and it is mortifying. And when she falls off, what else falls off but her wig? And it turns out everybody's like, it's you again. She also had revealed. a very glittery, like, beauty mark. Like, yeah, it was it's extra large. And on her chin, uh, yeah. Yes, that was bothering me. Yes, I assume that was them being like, see, Purposeful. she's from Europe. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think it is official that Mademoiselle Fifi has been at least delayed. Uh, it's been put into turnaround, if not canceled entirely. So Jack and Dennis feeling bad about their uh, starlet-to-be, who who will now, now never be. They go over to her boarding house, and uh, they're going to break the bad news. that, like, look, kid, it's not going to work. But she is not at all deterred. And... Um, while she is preparing dinner for them, uh, her her roommate or housemate Grace, who we met back at the canteen at Warner Brothers lot, uh, shows up. And at this point, Jack is reading her mail. Like these plot points, what they're going to come and go as I see fit. Jack's reading her mail. She's got a, a letter from her boyfriend back at Gerky's Corners. <laughs> His name is Jeffrey uh, Bush Dinkle. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Why do I of remember? all the things. <laughs> this and is deep stu- into the movie, too. You, you should be snoozing at this point. I was snoozing. Jeffrey Bush Dinkle, though, 
has written to say that he wants to marry her still or whatever. But she is still going to stick with Hollywood, even though things are not going well. And Grace is like, you know what? You two know how this shit goes. Like, she's not going anywhere in this town. None of us are going anywhere. So you should, if you were real cool people, you would send her home and say, go marry this man who loves you and go have a life. Go have yourself a real life other than this fantasy bullshit. And they're like, you know what, Grace? We just met you. But yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And so they then have a new scheme where the idea is like, well, we need to prove to her that we're a couple of a-holes. So how do we do that? And so they... At that point, I was a bit like, because you haven't done that enough already. Oh, that's the whole thing. I mean, this like, oh, you don't need to prove anything. Like, everybody knows. Even she knows. She's just looking. She needs a job at this point. So at this boarding house, there are, of course, other actors uh, in training. And so they find themselves a redhead. And then they talk very loudly beneath her open veranda window or, you know, balcony. And she hears them giving this woman the same line that they gave her. And so so now she's outraged. Now she's done again. And she's going to go back to Gerke's Corners. So she ends up on a train. We go back to Union Station. She gets herself a little berth next to <laughs> Arthur's cabin because Arthur, of course, the producer, his nerves are shot. And his we assistant. Were, we, you also pass over not only are his nerves shot, but then he goes into this like completely paranoid. Con- like he's like, so nice the studio's letting me take a vacation. And then it goes into yes. the paranoid, who's trying to take my job? Like, yes, yes. There's a whole, yeah, there's, there is a whole scene in his office where. He's trying to figure out, like, why would they send me away like this? They're already my my seat's not even cold yet, and they're trying to jump in here. So he's got a full cabin, of course. You know, as a Hollywood bigwig, he's got a full cabin with the uh, Murphy style bed and all this. Anyway, she goes to sleep in her little berth and has this bizarre dream. I don't understand this dream. It is French in theme, I guess, but she sees the two guys and uh, they are dressed up as these sort of um, day glow French pirates or something, and there's a whole dream sequence slash song and dance sequence. Yeah, see, I missed how this I started. It, it does, it I, does, and then I walked back into the room and I was like, uh, just like, what the hell? Just, just gonna have to skim over this part of the movie because I don't know what's happening here. So there's I no- think the whole reason that this was French themed was because the movie they've been trying to make mm-hmm. the whole time is Mademoiselle Fifi. So she's having a dream and she just had to pretend to be. And she did see two characters in a magazine Yvonne that Moore, she was reading right, before right. she fell asleep and they're dressed the same way as Jack and Dennis here. I mean, look, just look at the body types of these beefy men. Barrel chested. Barrel chested. They're not even in shape. They got little paunches. But and yet they are stars of stage and screen, <laughs> household name that we should all know, right? I want you to know I fast forwarded through this. I was like, I, I don't do even need to watch this. Yeah, this to is understand not going to understand what's add going anything. on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she wakes up from this nightmare, as as did the rest of us. As it is, screaming, waking up everybody in the train, and including Arthur, and bringing about this man, uh, the porter who uh, I would like to reference here because we do have representation watch. We have an African-American man here who is playing the porter, of course, always in service in the the 1940s and 50s. Now, this man's name is Dudley Dickerson, and he did a lot of movies. He did 135 roles in his career, and 
you know, we do these represent, representation watches and we talk about how, uh, you know, people of color tend to be in service to white people and all this. And I realize that that's a, a nail we're hitting with the hammer pretty hard. But let's look at this man's roles here. And don't tell me that there isn't a fucking stigma attached to this. So just looking at the roles he plays in his movie, starting in his last one, 1959, Train Porter. Uh, the next one, Pardon My Nightshirt. He plays Sam, Night Watchman. The next one, Pullman Porter. Uh, the next one, Janitor, Uncredited. The next one, Porter. The next one, Bank Janitor, Porter. Uh, a, a character named Peachy. Oh, that's for TV. Okay. okay. Cleaner, Porter, Garbage Man, Red Cap, Groundskeeper. The list, these are all in a row. I mean, this is typecasting. This, it's, it's a statement on typecasting and a statement on the roles that people of color got. In pictures of this age. I mean, this he made a career just being this guy, basically, where he sort of uh, – and here he gets a few lines and he gives some reactions. Uh, and again, I, I guess we're all laughing here. But there he is, Dudley. Good to see you. Nice to meet you. Shine the, shine the light on you, buddy. So anyway, uh, Judy ends up at the caboose of this train and she's feeling so sad about everything. Her journey back to Gerke's Corners. And I just like the looks of this caboose. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about the train, everybody. Please pull your head out of the gutter. Uh, although Jack does look at her ass earlier in the movie and is like, oh, you're new here. Anyway, she's hanging out in this very, uh, again, I would say this is more deco inspired than anything mid-century. This, um, this reminded me of um, Leave Her to Heaven. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's... In fact, it might be the same. It might be the same. <laughs> might be the same set. Though. Who can say? Now she uh, is listening to a. There's a, a record player back there. She's listening to some music or a radio or something, and she just starts singing, singing along by herself. And as she does, who should also join her in the caboose? But Arthur himself. And now, when she sings, apparently she loses all peripheral vision because she does not see him standing like right next to her and then sitting down. She's so surprised when she turns and finds him like smiling at her with this like, I love song. I had no idea. Which is exactly what he says. Like, why didn't they tell me that you also sing too? Which at this point, he's heard her Let's singing in the screen test. not wearing his glasses. The French thing. Yeah, he doesn't have the glass. That's right. That's right. But he does have his full uh, little like smoking jacket bathrobe there. That's that's very nice. Does he have a tie on with his pajamas? Uh, I believe is he that does. Just a shadow. Uh, of I think it's that... just a shadow. But okay. yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he asked God it up before <laughs> tucking in for the night. Anyway, he is like over the moon about her and wants to offer her a, a contract, get her into the pictures. You guys, it's everything she's ever wanted. But she says, no, I'm done with this nonsense. Going back to Gerke's Gerke's Corners. I'm going there. And so back in Hollywood, Jack and Dennis are sort of ruining the uh, unfortunate fate of Mademoiselle Fifi. But then they get a cable from Arthur who's like, look, I I talked with this woman. I heard her sing. She's got the voice of an angel. I want to give her a deal and make her a star of pictures. But you need to bring her back to Hollywood. So they then go to Gerke's Corners, where she's having a, a very fast wedding. They threw this wedding together very quickly, and they're they're watching it through the the window. And we we meet Jeffrey Bush Dinkle. Finally, they get married, and it turns out to be Robin Hood himself, Mister Errol Flynn, the star of the Adventures of Robin Hood, Mister Green Tights himself, among many others. I mean, this is the biggest punchline of them all because he would have been 
this is like Tom Cruise showing up in your movie basically okay. nowadays okay. for for a bit part. It's the same thing. It's like uh, this is his Tropic Thunder basically <laughs> where he shows up. And I don't. I think he has one line. I think he says he agrees to the marriage, and that's it. And then uh, Dennis and Jack look at each other like, wah, wah, "Of course, it can't be, but it is." End of movie. End of. It's a great feeling. And again, I would ask you: Is it? it is is it? It's over. Well, now that it's over. Yeah. Now that it's over. Now it's done. Okay. I feel great. <sighs> We've done a nice job on this one, you guys. For. What is, uh, well, let's find out. Let's do the business, all right? Mm. Shrishi Boo, uh, 1949's Doris Day's Jack Carson's Dennis so and so's. Morgan. Uh, Dennis Morgan, <laughs> thank you. Because I Den- was looking at uh, it. Okay, great. It's a great feeling. Do we keep watching this? No. Okay, any reason? Pop this balloon. Okay. Before we let it drift off. That's great. Right okay, great. Um, I mean,. First of all, it was about these two guys who yep. were trying to like sleaze their way around this woman. Mm-hmm. And even at the end, like her better choice was just to go home and get married and, you know, live a simple life. Which and, was, yeah, the, uh, surprising to me. You know, give up on your dreams. So on both counts, it was just like, you know, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I could although, go although on. Although she but... did marry a, a very handsome man right? does... who, who doesn't look like a dick. Right. Yes, he's probably, he's in love with her. He's probably very nice to her. Mm-hmm. He's probably not doing a whole lot of lying to her as the mm-hmm. other two are. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I can't say I'm too surprised. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> with the the uh, yes, the tenor of this particular program is giving big clues as to how we're going to be voting. Uh, Catherine Sherlock, mm. uh, it's a great feeling. Do we keep watching this movie? Absolutely not. <laughs> Um, I think that particular balloon I will be hitting with a flamethrower. Okay, it's just gone. Yeah. Melted down. Mm. All right, fair enough. I'm not even going to ask you why. I know exactly why. <laughs> this shit is stupid. <laughs> Carolyn, <laughs> but you love it, right? Tell me, do you? It, it's a great feeling, 1949, Doris Day, Jack uh, Carson, and um, Dennis Morgan. It's a great feeling, 1949. Do we keep watching this? I would like compensation for wasting okay. hours of my life. I owe a lot of money. Movie. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm applying for that too. Guys, the the T Public store. If you're listeners, please go buy a couple throw pillows or something because I got to pay these guys out. We, the, you we need some at least money over owe here. me a couple of drinks when I get to Iceland. Yes, that's fair. That's it's been a couple in a row. I get it. I get it. And uh, it's also a no for me. Just uh, look, I I, I like this stuff. I like the behind the scenesiness of it. I like the era. Uh, I even like some of the people in this movie. But as as a movie, this I mean, this isn't adding a whole lot. And I think we will find that there's probably a better version of this movie out there. A better behind the scenes look at making movies. Or I will offer to you any of those fucking Bugs Bunny cartoons that are seven minutes long, super tight. Filled with nothing but jokes, doing the exact same thing. I'm going to recommend one called Slick Hair, in which uh, it is set at a restaurant. Elmer Fudd is the waiter, of course. But Humphrey Bogart does show up okay. uh, with um, Lauren Bacall as well. In cartoon form, of course. So do that. But it's a no across the board. It's a clean sweep of a no for it's a great feeling. Sorry, Doris. Better luck next time. But with that being said, you guys, we have done it. Uh, this concludes. It's a great feeling. Well done. I mean, just um, gales of laughter and rounds of applause, right, you guys? <laughs> there it is. 
the, no, one clap. the sound of one cast member clapping. Now, next week, we continue on with That's Showbiz, the theme for the month. During which time, we're going to be talking about a movie from 1952, a few years later here, called She's Working Her Way Through College. Uh, what? Well. That's the title. Yes. Let's, let's, let's give you the... Oh, like, I can't guess. <laughs> well, here's... Let me read your mind, Catherine. A burlesque dancer goes to college where she romances a professor and helps put on a musical show <laughs> starring Virginia Mayo, Ronald Reagan, <laughs> and uh, Gene Nelson. <laughs> so, all right, if you didn't get your Reagan fix... Tune in next week for She's Working Her Way Through College, 1952. I feel like this is going to be traumatizing. It, it's possible. Listen, I'll, I will say that the two after it, the the two concluding episodes of that showbiz, we we do get away from some of the old-timer things to some more contemporary. Mm. Uh, I, I won't reveal it here, but it gets better, right? Okay. Better is... Relative. Yeah, we'll we'll see, but it it changes. It's different. <laughs> Let's go with that. It's different, but that's going to be next week. So until that time, though, thank you so much, Catherine, for the cat corner. It's a pleasure to host. As uh, always. You, you're the best in the biz. Um, uh, your hatred for the, this motion picture uh, is a true delight. And I don't even think it's your insouciance. It's just, your <laughs> it's just it shouldn't exist. It's a zero. It's a let zero. Just a zero yeah. or less than. Mm. Okay. Doesn't even matter. Mm. Can't even be quantified how, yeah. how much Catherine doesn't yeah. care. Shushman Ike, thank you so much. You're welcome. Carolyn Arrows, you made it across the ocean. Great job. Woo. Your arms must be so tired. Har, 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 har. And with that terrible bit, I will now send it to myself in the future. Take it away, guy. Yep, yep. Thank you so much, Guy and rest of the group from the past. Congratulations on making it through. It's a great feeling. Um, is it a great feeling? You let us know. Please write to us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. Uh, Five-star reviews on wherever you're listening to this. Please, if you could just give us one of those, that'd be uh, ideal. And also join us on the socials, uh, you know, primarily Instagram, at Time Machine Podcasts. And we will see you there. And as for next week, we talked about it. It's She's Working Her Way Through College from 1952, which you can find. Look, you're going to have to get creative to find this one, unfortunately, according to the Internet anyway. But I believe I spotted it on YouTube for free. So go check it out and get caught up on She's Working Her Way Through College, starring Ronald Reagan, uh, for next Wednesday. And we will see you there. But until that time, please never forget that this has been Old Movie Time Machine. <laughs>